Well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's Wednesday, May 25th, 2022, and I am coming to you live from this veil of tears, planet Earth, where we in America are waking up to another mass shooting, the second in two weeks, this time in a middle school in a small Texas town, 19 kids, uh, age 10 and 11 years old, a teacher, another adult. And you know some of them are three or four people in critical condition kids. And it, like I'm sure you and all of us, I'm just sick about it and just outraged that this is happening. And, and you know, I, I, I hear the voices, in fact, in my own head, saying nothing's gonna change. America has a hopeless, violent streak. You know, the political system is deadlocked. Nothing can happen. And yet, I have to say that this seems different to me somehow. It, it feels like there's something, a new pattern here, a new differentiation here wants to be seen in a greater re resolution. This is, you know, the movement of consciousness. We learn more, we see new patterns. And what we're seeing here with this two in a row here, and also I might say with the Boulder shooting that happened here in Boulder a year or so ago, uh, where 10 people were killed, and I knew one of them very close to what's well, my partner's ex-wife and the mother of his children. And that hit close to home. And, um, you know, I'll talk about the pattern that's emerging here. But first of all, I have to say that one of the things that's happening for me, and I don't know whether it's because of my personal knowledge of the Boulder shooting um, or a greater sensitivity in general, probably both, um, one creates the other. Uh, but I, I feel this need, and I, and I appreciate the media for this, honestly, and, I, uh, and, and social media too. Th this need to see these kids, actually, need to see these people whose lives were ended. And I do wanna actually just take a minute and do that just feels like the right thing to do. And so here they are, these, these little kids. This one on top, uh, you know, the, I, I somehow relate to these, these kids. It feels like, you know, I know, know these are Hispanic and I grew up in white, but it's a small time traditional thing. And I see this top one, Anne-Marie Jo Garza, she's 10 years old and she's with her dad. And her dad's like my dad. I had a young dad who was very proud of me and my sister. And uh, it breaks my heart to see him with his daughter there, young dad. Ileana Cruz Torres, she's got her baseball bat. Jackie Cazares, she's got her little lace dress, looks like a first communion or something in the Catholic church in front of an altar. Annabelle Rodriguez, she's 10, she's holding up her music certificate uh, and her honor roll certificate. Oh, good Lord. 
this kid kills me. Xavier Lopez is with his little, you know, haircut and he's dressed up. And I, I, you know, remember that myself, you know, my, how I dress up and, and then the, the teacher here, uh, Eva Morales. And I bet they probably called her Miss Eva or Ms. Eva. At any rate, that is, you know, worth noting and stopping and noting. And um, it's really, you know, what can you say? It's, it's incredibly moving. So anyway, we, we, I'm thinking of these three shootings, there's, there's two in two weeks, the one in Boulder, and the pattern that uh, is, you know, at least in common here and with others too, is that it's young men, uh, two of them 18 years old, one of them was 20, that with automatic military style rifles, A15, A, A15s, yes, wearing full armor, uh, armor-piercing bullets, this whole military regalia. So first of all, this is a list of the shootings, mass shootings. Uh, and I think there looks like there's 10 or 12 of them. Uh, Sandy Hook, Aurora, Las Vegas, Sutherland, the synagogues, Boulder, Buffalo, Uvalde, this latest one, all with AR-15s. And here's the Smith, Smith and Wesson version. This is the M&P. 15 Sport 2, you know, it could be modified to shoot many bullets per second, and otherwise it shoots 45 bullets a minute. So that's, there's Lauren Boebert, uh, our right-wing congressman from Colorado with her gun strapped to her thigh. I'll talk about her in a second. You know, so I'm, I, I'm a little discombobulated here because I've been watching the news and 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 um, I just have some things I wanted to share that I think are are relevant. It's what I'm thinking, at least in this moment. And of course, I watch the morning news shows, uh, especially on a morning like this. And Morning Joe is doing the uh, talking points from the left, which are from an integral perspective, we like these talking points. They're all valid. They're all true. And, and, and from the left, it's all about the guns, American gun culture. Certainly these um, semi-automatic military style weapons, just there's a, there's a, a great majority of people who think that these ought to be background checks. That's a point that they make. And I think it's a point that we have to include as we come up with whatever the political solution is to this. So then I watch Fox News. They don't want to politicize it. It's time for thoughts and prayers. I know they're, they're, they're um, uh, uh, caricatured for that, but that's what they were doing. Uh, and then to the degree that they had solutions, it was uh, the culture of the left, godless, permissive, violent video games. Maybe we need more guards at the school. I don't rule that out in the short term. You know, they talk about retired military and know what they're doing with guns and they guard the entrances to schools. I think that's fair enough. But this idea that there are guns available like this to young men who have somehow fallen through the cracks, that that has to end. I do think that the culture will figure out a way to end that. And 
part of the problem is that we're in a polarized situation. Uh, I'm not sure we ever weren't. You know, as I grow up, I think there was always the, the culture was always at some kind of a war. But politically, we can see that there is. You know, th people have sorted. We, we've we've grown in our tribal identifications, and they are natural. You know, these are developmental. Um, you know, if we think about the difference between just looking at guns, I can remember when I was a kid and I grew up in Western Pennsylvania in a rural hunting situation, everybody had guns. My dad had guns, my uncles and nephews, and they all went hunting up at the hunting cabin. And um, I wanted no part of it. I didn't think my way into wanting no part of it. It just repulsed me. And it always has. I'm just a natural um, liberal on that one. I, I just came out that way. And nobody around me was, but I was. And, and I, I understand, and I, th I think about the, so much of the culture war becomes performative. That is, it's like Lauren Boebert with her gun strapped to her thigh. Um, you know, you wanna be seen as somebody who, who's that new um, woman who's running for governor of, of Georgia? And she's about the Jesus, babies, and guns. That's her platform, you know. And that is a traditionalist platform. We liberals have to somehow sort out that it's going to be okay. It has to be. I mean, we can't be against guns in America just flatly. Uh, first of all, there's too many of them. There's 350 million guns. There's more guns than people. But what's also true is that fewer people own guns. It's the people that do own guns own a lot of them. And they have it as a hobby. They want to show the rest of the world. It's, it's, it's like gender performance on the left. They want to show that we're okay. We can do this. We're not harming anybody. We are protecting ourselves. We're defending ourselves. And there is something that is true for traditionalists. Just if you even think of the stages of development, traditionalism is it's a stage where in its flourishing, it was run by the king. You know, it was run by theocracies. You know, you didn't call the police. You had to defend yourself with whatever weapons you had. And generally, the king or theocrats wouldn't let you have guns. America is an exception there because we were starting from scratch, at least from the European point of view. But there is this idea that you, you have to take care of yourself. Uh, you don't, but you know, the police aren't going to protect you. Now, that's not true uh, for the most part in contemporary American culture, but it still has that truth. I remember when I went back to a family reunion one of my young cousins asked me about my guns. I mean, they were talking about their guns. And I said, I don't have any guns. And he said, well, I guess I'll forgive you because you don't have any kids. But if you did, I would think that you were irresponsible. That people like my cousin are not going to hurt anybody. They're the ones who say the good guys with the gun have to be there so that they can shoot the bad guys with the guns. So that the, the, we, we can't get rid of these guns as a category, but we can see these 
you know, semi-automatic military weapons uh, that uh, my dad would not be on board with those being loose in society. It's also worth noting when we think of the American gun culture that um, that frontier culture, lawless, you took care of yourselves. Of course, you used whatever weapon we, we was available, the best that you could get. And if you look at American history, we started out with muskets and went to uh, revolvers were a huge technological advance. Um, and everybody used them, uh, including the Native Americans when they could get them. They got very good at using guns. And that is just part of the American fabric, as is the psychographic, if you think of the type of people who would leave their home and go across the ocean. I'm talking about the European settlers. What type of person would do that? It's probably the Enneagram 8s, the Enneagram 3s, the people who are the most adventurous, the people who have, a, uh, you know, the misfits often. Uh, so that's part of our culture, too. That's just part of the psychographic of this country. Also, we haven't lost a war since, I guess you could say the Civil War, but everybody lost the Civil War. But, you know, the, America persevered. But the World Wars, you know, we don't have that experience that particularly Western Europe, Japan has, where they're just completely ruined by a, you know, by a violence. And so we really haven't learned that lesson in that sort of deep visceral way. And that is this country, but it's not a um, hopelessly violent country. Although, you know, you have to sort of be careful how you think about it and how you talk about it. I, I noticed last night, I was looking at Twitter and one of my favorite follows, a uh, person I follow, is Matthew Iglesias. He's a, uh, he has proto-integral qualities. I mean, he has a lot of capacity. He comments on politics. He's very smart, very highly followed, very respected. And he put out a tweet last night that I read. And I thought, you know, a little too soon, Matthew. And this morning, I, I noticed that he apologized for it. And it caused a big firestorm on Twitter that I slept through. But um, here's what he said. This was the one he wrote last night. He said, for all its very real problems, one shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the contemporary United States of America is one of the best places to live in all of human history. And there's a reason tons of people of all kinds from all around the world clamor to move here. And um, that's true, actually. Um, it's uh, you know, there's a time and a place to say that, but what I try to do at, um, you know, using integral theory and this idea of cultural evolution is, you know, factor that in. And, um, and so, you know, if I think about what's going to happen, what's the next move in the short term, medium term, I'm pretty sure I know what the long term move is going to be, and that is our children and grandchildren and grandchildren are going to solve this. I don't know when and how, but, you know, I think the filibuster is definitely up for a, a re-examination again. Um, the, maybe there'll be a new constitutional conference on, you know, the Second Amendment. 
I think this, the, it, or even, you know, uh, secession of Texas and California, where there's maybe the United States continues, but there's far more freedom for these cultures to, you know, do it their way. You know, you have guards at the school and we'll have guns, you know, uh, controlled. Uh, I don't know. And I, I, I think short-term history is too surprising. After Obama and Trump, I've stopped making predictions. Both of them came out of nowhere. But at, at any rate, um, I will say that, you know, a plain reading of the Second Amendment, it's always shocks me when I read it. And it, it says this, a well-regulated militia, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I don't know where the well-regulated militia went, but let's bring it on. I don't care so much about the militia, call it what you will, but let's regulate this. This is not, you know, this, this um, shocking technological advance in killing machines just puts too much power in the hands of people who are, you know, call it evil, if you will. I mean, I don't know if there's an ontological evil in the world. I don't rule it out. But I think actually development and even just psychology explains it well enough. You don't have to go to the metaphysical. Uh, and that is that, you know, if you read these tweets and manifestos and in, in the thinking of these people who do it, they're their moral development is arrested in that they don't see people as having moral consideration. They see people as objects that they have to you know, act on and everybody's guilty and everybody's hurt them. And it's a very contracted um, stage of development in that line, that moral line. They can be technologically good. Obviously they are. They pull off these, um, you know, uh, the, the, you know, these are, you get by the guns, you have to do the armor and you, you know, you pull it off. So in many ways they're developed. But one of the things that, um, you know, one of the ways that we can measure moral development is the, this ever increasing circle of people that you include in your circle of moral consideration, people who are worthy of moral consideration. And that has relentlessly grown in our world in general uh, and in humanity in general, and it will continue. And, you know, so this is where I have faith in the long term that our grandchildren will be as different from us as we were from our grandparents. And that's interesting. In fact, they'll be more different because uh, emergence and evolution is accelerating. So that's like, you know, we, we, we think about, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I don't remember any of the wonderful adults I was raised with. And my, I had wonderful parents and wonderful aunts and uncles, a big extended family, great aunts and uncles and grandparents. And they were loving and they were protective and they gave me, you know, 
lessons and whatever. But I don't remember <laughs> ever once any of them asking me how I felt about something or what my opinion was or help me explore my interior. And I think they'll think they were exploring their own interiors. And so that's what our generation, my generation and the adjacent ones have done in, um, in, in its moral development. There's, there's a, um, we, if we've effectively, the, these shootings being the exceptions that prove the rule, we've moderated behavior. Uh, you know, when I grew up, there were people who abused their families, their kids, their animals. People drove drunk. Any gender divergent kid was either tormented or, you know, at a minimum was seen as an oddball or they spent an inordinate amount of time trying to hide it and fit in. And that I know that personally because that was me. I was a little gay kid in the Steel Valley in the 60s. And I spent a lot of time hiding it. Uh, you know, I just figured, I mean, I, it, it didn't feel like oppression as much as this is a reality. I mean, I grew into realizing the oppressive nature as the nems, and I celebrate an intelligent loosening and of, of, you know, sex roles and gender and all of that. Um, within reason, you know, I mean, I want to include the part we want to conserve as well. There's progressives and they're conservatives. They're both doing a job here as we move forward. But I would, you know, so if we look at that trajectory, I'm guessing that our children and grandchildren will go further into understanding the interior world of each other, of their children, uh, you know, call it mental health, the idea of kids being ignored, this sort of disease of modernity where the community, David Brooks talks a lot about this, where we become atomized and people can be fall through the cracks and they can move, get into these mental vortexes, that those will be ever more, um, will be ever more sensitive to that, you know, intervene as, as necessary. And I do think that will happen in the long term. And I think it's also um, interesting to note that our moral considerations also extend to the perpetrators of crimes in general. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode on Francis Fukuyama and his uh, thinking about the arc of history and so forth that's sort of a disembodied arc of history is my thesis. But at any rate, he talks about, you know, moral development. And in the article that I uh, quoted from in the Wall Street Journal, it was a couple weeks ago, he wrote this, and I'll, I'll just quote from him. This is Francis Fukuyama. He says, the great French observer of American democracy, Alexis de Tocqueville, noted that the idea of human equality had been spreading inexorably for centuries prior to his visit to America in the 1830s. He related the story of Madame de Savigny, Madame de Savigny, the educated and aristocratic patroness of a, patron of a Paris salon in the 17th century, the 1600s, who wrote a lighthearted letter to her daughter, noting she had witnessed 
a tailor being broken on the wheel for stealing a loaf of bread. Broken on the wheel, that was a torture device where they would run over you with a wheel and then tie you to it once they had broken every bone in your body. And sometimes you get decapitated, it's a whole thing. Uh, in six, 1600s Paris. They also did cat burnings for entertainment, for the nobility. Um, anyway, Tocqueville comments that her amusement at this scene reflected the fact that she simply could not see the tailor as a fellow human being. Such a lack of empathy, he writes, would be impossible in his own age, which had been shaped by the egalitarian ideals of the French Revolution. And that's right, it is impossible. In, impossible uh, because a modern mind just naturally finds that repugnant. And he's talking about the 1830s. You know, look at what we were still doing in the 1830s. The whole enslavement of the, you know, Africans was the, in full force. The Middle Passage was busy at that point. So, yes, you know, you wonder about the deterrent effect of somebody who might be contemplating a school shooting to know that if they were dragged through the streets and decapitated and their head put on a spike, maybe they would think twice about it, but that's not good. We're not gonna do that, you know? And that's good. We're, you know, we're at a moral stage of development where I was looking at the statistics. Uh, yes, there's more of them. Um, there's, there's, there's the mass shooting is defined as a shooting where at least four people are injured, okay? And there have been 212 of them in 2022 already. And that's double what it was last year. So there is some social contagion that is happening. Again, my feeling is there's gonna be some sub sub substantial change here. Um, people can only take so much. In actual numbers, if you'll forgive me, and I'm going to get in Matthew Iglesias' camp here, in the last five years, uh, the number of people killed in mass shootings in five years is 300, roughly, 289. Injured, 1,200 um, at 1183. And, you know, so this is not a, you know, health hazard, anything near car wrecks, but it is a challenge of moral development that needs to be addressed. And again, I'm thinking it will be. I'm all eyes and ears here as I watch um, our political response to this. That's about it. I've done a number of episodes on guns in general. They're all on my site. Um, uh, the shooting, I remember after Las Vegas, there's, there's, there's things where I've talked about sort of the, some of the movements of history and um, so forth. But again, this feels like a, there's a, there's a, a pain point. As Pema, would say, as Pema Chodron would say, things have been brought to a painful point. And there's generally movement when that happens. So we'll see. In the meantime, I'm outraged and I wanna be outraged and I'm sick and I wanna be sick. And I, um, I'm doing this show and I'm doing my thing and I encourage everybody to, um, you know, act on this because it feels like now there's a moment here. 
All right. So anyway, thank you for listening. This is my last uh, weekly show until September 7th. I'm taking June, July, and August off to, as they say, work on other projects. And we'll, we'll see what other projects I work on. Uh, mainly my, my project I'm most looking forward to is being a house frau and cooking and doing my gardening and maybe doing a little political action actually here. So anyway, thank you for Integral Life and for those of you who are joining live in the Integral Life portal. Everybody check out Integral Life. There's um, wonderful new stuff. Uh, Corey DeVos just did it. It's Integral Theory Applied to Racism. Um, really helpful. Integral helps so much. You know, the idea is that we want to include the wisdom of these warring worldviews into a integrated worldview, which leaves the basically the contraction of thinking you're the only right one behind and, you know, moving forward. So I would also thank the Institute for Cultural Evolution. Uh, check out their magazine, The Developmentalist. Check them out. Uh, thank you for those of you who are on the Developmental Politics Facebook page live. I appreciate you. I feel you. And uh, I'll feel you all again uh, next September 7th uh, in three months. Yeah, I might uh, pop up between now and then, but we'll just have to see. All right. Okay. Well, thank you folks and love and blessings to all.